If you would turn in your scriptures to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we continue our series around various themes in the final days, the end times. Beginning at verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or by a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this text, we pray that you would illuminate us, give us understanding, that you would caution us and arm us, that we ourselves be not deceived. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, the Canadian Mint, which makes gold and silver wafer bars and things like that, were quite alarmed because they discovered that some of their gold wafer bars were counterfeit. And despite all of their secure packaging, their coded numbers stamped on the gold, uh, registered, they had maple leaf holograms on side by side. They seemed the same, but one of them was a forgery. Now our text is calling us to put two appearings side by side. At first glance, they seem to have so many similarities, but they're actually very different, and one of them is very, very dangerous. The two appearings our text presents to us is the appearing of Antichrist, the lawless one, and secondly, the appearing of Christ himself. In our text, 
Paul is very concerned because someone has been instigating deception amongst the church. He says, now concerning the coming, that's the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit, that's a word that refers to prophecy, or a spoken word, somebody's teaching something here, or a letter, there's a written word going out. And whatever someone is prophesying, teaching, or writing down is disturbing this church, and Paul's name is being attached to it, seeming to give it credibility. He says, seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Someone's forging Paul's name. They're using Paul's name to back up their false teaching and deception. Paul is very concerned about this. Look at the, the final verse, verse 17 in chapter 3. Just turn over there where Paul finishes the letter. Notice how he finishes. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. In other words, you can compare my signature here. This is, this is me writing, not those who are deceiving you. And what the deception, what they are trying to deceive the church, how they are deceiving the church is that they are saying that the day of the Lord has come in verse 6. That is, it's already present or past. It's already arrived. It's happening. And of course, this would disturb the church. What are you saying? We're in the midst of suffering. You're saying Jesus already came? Why are we here then? Why aren't we gathered to him? What's going on? Did we miss out on the return of Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ? You know full well, brothers and sisters, that the second coming of Christ is visible physical, and literal. St. Luke says this, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. St. Paul says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. St. John writes in Revelation, behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. And St. Matthew says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. His second coming is visible, literal, physical. And so Paul teaches them that the day of the Lord, the return of Christ and the pouring out of the judgment of God has not come yet. And he's going to tell them, in fact, a couple of things need to happen before the day of the Lord happens. The first thing he tells us in verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day, that's the day of the Lord, the second coming, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And so this rebellion literally means apostasy. The apostasy comes first. 
that there is going to be a falling away from God. It's going to be pronounced. It's going to be huge. People are going to abandon Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are going to fall away. He's not talking about the general population, but he's talking about those who claim to know God. Remember, we looked at a number of weeks ago where Jesus said, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. The many are those who claim to know him through Christ. It will grow cold, he says. Mark, in the gospel of Mark, false Christs and false prophets will arise, perform signs and wonders, and lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's the people of God. So this falling away, this apostasy, Paul says, is going to happen first before Antichrist is revealed. And this apostasy is going to affect and infect the church. There's going to be this delusion. He mentions it in verse 11, as we read, look down there. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false. This delusion has to do with, as in verse 9, uh, false signs and powers and wonders and wicked deception. And God is going to allow those who refuse to love the truth to have them live out the consequence of their choice. He's going to confirm them in their faithlessness. And they're going to align themselves not with Jesus Christ. They're going to align themselves with Antichrist. And this rebellion against God, this falling away, this apostasy, is encapsulated in a person. He says, verse 3, the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. He says, the son of destruction. The man of lawlessness. The one who, this lawlessness is the one who rejects any restraint from God. Any boundaries of God. He doesn't care anything of God's authority, God's sovereignty, God's rule. He is lawless. He's the lawless one. All this lawlessness is encapsulated in this one person. And so he's presented us with two appearings. There's going to be a revealing of the lawless one and the appearance of the righteous one, Jesus Christ. The lawless one, lawless one works with Satan. The just one, Christ, works with the Father. In other passages, for example, Revelation 13, the lawless one is given a mortal wound and he's healed. Well, we know Jesus received mortal wounds. He died and it was resurrected. The dragon, Satan, and the beast, the Antichrist, are worshipped by men. While the father and his son are worshipped by his own people. The Antichrist will seek to destroy the people of God while... Christ saves his people. In a way, Satan, Antichrist, the false prophet, or the unholy trinity, as opposed to the true God, the Father, his Son, 
Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And so this Antichrist, this lawless one, this Gog, this rival savior, a ruler, there are similarities, but there are so many profound differences. And we are supposed to get this because he tells us in verse 3, let no one deceive you. We're not to be taken in. Let no one deceive you. You know, you've heard that everyone has a doppelganger, someone who looks like you, right? at first glance perhaps. But if a more careful examination is made, the differences become pronounced. A bad copy, a counterfeit, a forgery, this antichrist. And we're not to be deceived. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, no one else. Now, Jesus calls him in Matthew the abomination of desolation. He draws that language from the prophetic book in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Literally, the defiled one who is empty. He's empty, desolate inside. The wicked one who is uninhabitable by any good thing of God. Daniel says he's also not only empty, but he makes others empty, desolate. Nothing of God in them. And he magnifies himself above all, even above God in his own mind. He opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. And he declares himself here in verse 4 to be God. Jesus calls him the blasphemous beast and the antichrist. Anti means instead of Christ, against Christ. Revelation 13 says of this man, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people, language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life. The book of life of the Lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ himself. So he tells us in verse 4, in, in, in verse 3, don't be deceived. Be on guard. First the rebellion, the falling away. And then the revealing of this man of lawlessness. We are to be on guard. We are to be watchful. We are to believing the Lord. And he will give us understanding. And, and, and we will see and perceive. And we won't be blind we won't be stumbling in the dark. We'll know and we will see. Jesus tells us this. For now, there is a restrainer. Look at what verse 6 says. And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus, well, he, the Lord Jesus will deal with him. 
Notice the restrainer. Someone he is holding the lawless ones, holding him back. The Antichrist revealing is being restrained. His appearing is being held back. Now, there are many books written to posit and discern who is the restrainer. I myself favor the ancient conclusion that the restrainer that's being referred to is the archangel Michael. Daniel says Michael shall arise, or that is, stand aside at the end, and there will be trouble such as never has been. Daniel writes that in chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. Michael is described as the great prince who protects the people of God. And in Jewish literature, apocryphal literature, extra-biblical literature, ancient, about the end times, Michael is always depicted as the leader of God's hosts, his angels, the captain of his army. You see, Lucifer, Satan, was an angel, a fallen angel. Michael is an angel. And he is the one who sounds the trumpet and leads the charge of God's final judgment. The book of Revelation describes an angel who has the power to restrain Satan, chain him up and throw him into his prison. And in the book of Revelation, Michael is named as the archangel who throws Satan out of heaven in Revelation 12. So the rebellion against God and the appearing of Antichrist must be preceded by Michael standing aside. The restraint that he provides now will be removed. This great evil that's being held back, he will stand aside. The great poet W.B. Yeats, he wrote a poem about the second coming of Jesus. And he, in his poem, he's describing when the restrainer steps aside. This is what he writes. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely, he says, surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. That's what he called his poem, the second coming. And finally, we're told that the mystery of lawlessness, that is the secret power of lawlessness, is already at work. Verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Already. Even now, though the restrainer has not yet stood aside, though the rebel has not yet appeared, though the apostasy has not yet happened, in the fullness of it, there is yet a mystery of lawlessness that is working in our culture and in our society. 
John writes in 1 John, he says, many antichrists have come. He says this, this is the spirit of antichrist. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. He says, this spirit of antichrist is in the world already. This mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The antichrist spirit is lawless. It doesn't care about what God says. It doesn't care about God's sovereignty. The creator, the sustainer, doesn't care about his commands, his plan for our salvation. This mystery of lawlessness, it doesn't care, it's proud. It exalts the self. It's deceptive, it's evil, and it denies God. It denies the divinity of the Son, that God became man and dwelt among us, that he might die for us as a man, a perfect man, our sins being placed on him, that in his death uh, we find forgiveness for our sins. And in his resurrection, we find the hope of eternal life. People are a lot unto themselves. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, we need, we must make ourselves ready. The spirit of Antichrist wanders across our land. Devouring and infecting, infecting the heart of our citizens, infecting our loved ones. The spirit of lawlessness is in defiance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This mystery of lawlessness is it's empty of God. And it calls the people of God, to move away from Jesus little by little. A little compromise here, another there. The spirit of Antichrist wants us to live self-willed lives, to accept all the absurdities that are going on today that are being talked about and imposed on our thinking, to accept all the immoralities that are being promoted, to accept all the idolatries, to accept all the moral confusion. It wants us, this spirit of Antichrist wants us to call evil good and good evil. When I was six years old, um, my mother let me take the skin off a carrot using the, the peeler. You know, it was great fun, and I went at that carrot, and before too long, there was no carrot left. And in a, in a very real way, that's what the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of antichrist would do to us. Just to, you know, 
give up a little God today. You know, just a, a little bit of our faith. A little bit of holiness. Just bend a little. A little obedience. Just peeling away the true God and the ever-living God from our lives. A lot of this effort of Antichrist is aimed at you young people. It's aimed at you young people. In the music that you listen to, the movies that you choose to watch, the sins that suddenly become acceptable to you and even write to you the time you spend and what you spend it on what you spend your money on what you value your sexuality the pursuits that you chase the worldliness that fills your soul and just peeling away God Because the spirit of Antichrist isn't pleased with your allegiance to Jesus. The spirit of Antichrist isn't pleased about faith in Jesus. He's empty of God and he wants you to be empty of God too. He wants to peel it all away bit by bit. You hardly know what's happening. Just a little, little at a time. Just a little thing. It's just a little lie. Just a little swearing. It's just a movie. And by the way, the spirit of Antichrist is not trying to peel away your rights. <laughs> Some Christians are confused today. They're think that standing up for your rights as Christians got nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity, in fact, is the entire opposite. Instead of fighting for our rights, we lay down our rights. We're a servant to all. I make myself a servant to everyone to win as many as possible. It's not about rights. Scripture it's not telling us to fight for rights. What the spirit of Antichrist wants to take from you is righteousness, holiness, a spirit of obedience where you recognize he is the true God and he is sovereign and his word is his will and he wants to take away your worship of him to get ready to worship the Antichrist. And before you know it, you hardly know what's happening. You have a great pile of peelings, a great pile of peelings that used to be your faith. And your faith is gone. And you hardly know how it happened. You know, Christians often think that when the Antichrist is revealed and that 
the mark of the beast comes, which we'll look at next week, by the way, that there is no way you're going to worship the Antichrist. There is no way you're going to accept the mark of the beast. Not a chance. But what you need to understand is that the spirit of Antichrist will already have done its work. That little by little, if you compromise and you accept the world's morality, little by little you drift away. Small step here, small peeling there. The spirit of Antichrist is capturing your mind until the final step, the final peeling is actually the smallest one of all. Accepting the Antichrist when he comes will be the smallest step of all. It'll be the easiest thing to do of all. Little by little, taking pleasure in wickedness. Little by little, accepting the spirit of Antichrist into your spirit. Even so that once that which you knew was wrong, that which you said was wrong, now you champion it. What you used to say was sin, now you defend it and celebrate it. And you'll find that the spirit of Christ has trained you. The spirit of Antichrist has trained you. And you will fall away. And you will worship him. And you will take the mark. And you will face the judgment and the wrath of God because at the end no truth will be found in you. You will be empty of God himself. Desolate. Look at what verse 13 says as he takes us to believers in Jesus Christ. He says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Notice the Trinitarian statement. God, that is the Father. He says the Lord, that's Jesus. And he says the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel. That's the good news of salvation. And some of you here this morning, you, you, you've never perhaps even heard of such a thing, that there is salvation for you. There is a gospel, there's good news. That you are a sinner, empty of God, but he wants to fill you with his presence. He wants to save you and forgive you and grant you eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Put your faith in him. Follow him. The days are short. He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, look what he says. Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. To the teaching. He's talking about the the sound teaching of the word of God here, he's saying. Stand firm and hold to the word. Stand firm and hold. Say that with me. Stand firm and hold. One more time. 
Stand firm and hold, you see. Either by our spoken word, he says, or by our letter. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Stand firm and hold. No peeling. No peeling. No peeling. No steps down. No little by little. Prepare spiritually now. Get into the word now. If you have gotten away from his word, gotten away from prayer, gotten away from his worship, gotten away from through being conformed to the image of Christ and making good and holy choices in your life. Repent. He'll forgive you. Start fresh with you. Stand firm and hold. By faith we will stand and we will fix our eyes on Jesus. We will walk by faith. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for your love and care for us, to caution us and warn us. Oh, Father, as the people of God gathered here at this church, we pray, needing your help, we pray, um, asking for your, your guidance and your your will to be done in our lives. We desire to be holy. We don't want to be confused. Help us to think clearly as we take in your word and have the very mind of Christ. We live in wicked days, evil days, and much is coming. Our, our intent, Father, is not to be deceived, but we'll need your help and your presence, your guidance. We pray that everyone here this morning would have the certain knowledge of their salvation in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus alone. That they worship you, Father, through the Son and his Spirit. We thank you. Uh, hear our praise in this closing hymn as we sing of faith, as we sing to you in Jesus' name. Amen.